This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to Be Nation, welcome back. We are glad to be here with you again. Of course, I am one of your hosts of this wonderful podcast called Bells with Books, and I am here um, as not a bell sitting alone because that would be sad. <laughs> it wouldn't be sad. It would just be a monologue. It would be a monologue that no one wants to be privy to. So, <laughs> I am here one of my best friends, both bookish and in real life, Bianca. Hello. Hello. We I said I would start you. opening the podcast with that. I'm going to keep you my word. Did. Actually, you did. You said, I'm just going to start doing that. And I was like, it, as Mrs. Dotfire, right? And you said, absolutely. <laughs> a movie I can say I've seen. There you go. That is a big win-win. <laughs> if you are new here, um, we are going to cover movies from time to time that are part of adaptations and not. Um, that Bianca's going to be like, yeah, I've not seen that. Um, if you're not new here, then you know that Bianca has not seen a lot of movies that are in the world. But that's okay. That, that, that. But mainly, what we discuss on this podcast, if you haven't figured it out, is books. Um, so that's what we're going to do today. And we have added something kind of sort of new, not really, um, that we found really fun last time. We kind of share, have been sharing book news with you guys, book talk, social media, information about books. Um, and we really enjoy it. So we're going to give you some more. We hope you like it. I don't know. No one's told us they haven't liked it. Right. You haven't said no, so... So we're taking that as yes. We are taking that as yes, exactly. Um, also, off topic, can, can somebody tell me how to turn the uh, Firefox to a dark mode? Because my eyeballs are hurting. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't tell you the last time I used Firefox. It, it's the better one on my, on my laptop here. So anyway, yeah... <laughs> Unrelated, but also related. If you can tell me how to turn my fire through. Oh, I'd never mind. Never mind. I just figured it out. Miranda is a tech whiz. Not exactly. But okay. <laughs> I'm actually pretty tech savvy, but um, sometimes I need help. <laughs> like the other day, oh. I was like asking your husband. I was like, I need help. <laughs> I got home. I was like, did Miranda text you? He was like, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Nothing creepy, guys. It's you watched us over on Stream Lounge. Um, so last month, if you were here, we discussed Practical Magic. And as part of a thing we promised to do, we watched Practical Magic live together on Stream Lounge, um, which we hope to do more of in the future. But my camera on my laptop, because here's the thing. My laptop is several years old, but it is doing everything I need it to do very well. It's like my, the little engine that could. Right. It is the little engine that could. Like, I am not even lying. This is bought. It, I bought it in 2018. Um, and if you if you know anything about computers, then you know that it really is the little engine that could. Um, but it does everything I need it to do very well. Minus that camera. That camera be bad. experience. <laughs> <laughs> That came in. So. Sorry, you broke up just a little bit, but I'm going to say yes to whatever you said. So, 
said I needed his expertise on the camera because oh, okay. <laughs> that was my that's my one thing that my computer is not giving me is good is a good camera. So um yeah, I'm I am somewhat tech savvy and it works most of the time, but not all the time. So that's that's why I needed that. Yeah. Um so book news. Uh we hope you enjoyed uh practical magic, but uh in normal book news, which we get a lot of from book talk book talk, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, sometimes it's a little it's a little bit of an overload. Can be an overload, and it can be. Um, it can also be a depressing, I guess. It it depends on it what you are scrolling. Yes, sometimes book talk can be depressing and very gatekeeping, but I still think it is an excellent source of information. Oh yeah, I've started. Uh, you can you can save videos to like different. I'll call it lists for lack of a better term. Collections. I think Book Talk yeah. calls it collections. I think so. And I just have one titled books at this point. Now I have books and food, and I think I have pets. I need to do that. Actually, I probably really do. I'm, I'm a very simple woman. One words are enough for me. It's a, it's enough. <laughs> it's to the point. <laughs> So in some, I say good news, like um, good feeling, good vibe news in the book talk world. Um, there is a gentleman who came on book talk, and I think you shared it with me. We do a lot of sharing with book talk. We had to go back and find this video, and it was several hundred videos it wasn't back. even the video <laughs> that I was looking for specifically. There's another thing we're going to talk about in regards to book talk, but it made me remember this one that she had sent me. And there is a gentleman on book talk who he, he became part of book talk because he has decided um, he's not a strong reader. Uh, I don't remember all of his exact reasons, but I think he just said he was like, he only ever read because he had to in school and he wasn't a strong reader. And um, like it was, it's not, it's something that's a little bit harder for him to do but because of that he wants to be a better reader by becoming a, a, a reader basically yeah well that's the only way to get better is practice right but I mean I do understand like I am sometimes when people are like well I'm not a reader I'm like how could you not be but then it's not it's not for everyone just like every hobby is not for everyone right well and it's like we discussed um earlier I'm a very, like, when I read something, I can literally see it happening in my brain. Yes. And not everyone is like that, and that blows my mind. Because they'll that be like, something. They're like, can you visualize a box? And they're like, no. And I'm like, what? I can visualize, like, any type of box. There's a plastic tub box. There's a cardboard box that right. you pack stuff in. There's a 3D drawing of a box. Right. Like, I can visualize that in my head. And I didn't realize until... I think it was a couple of years ago, Jenny and I did a segment on um, Geek and Sassy once where somebody had shared an article with us where talking about people that don't have an internal monologue. Yeah, I, like, I don't. Wait, what? Yeah. What do you mean you don't have an internal monologue? Like my, my internal monologue never stops. <laughs> right. And I thought that was normal. My therapist says it actually is not that there's a lot of people that don't have an internal monologue. And then my son blew my mind the other day, like in talking about like everything is different. Caden blew my mind because we were talking about like vivid dreams. And I, he, I was like, I'm sorry. I slept really horrible last night. Like I was having really bad nightmares and these like vivid dreams. And he's like, 
what do you mean you had vivid dreams? And I'm like, you know, like you remember everything you, you, you down the details. I'm like, Bianca and I message each other about our dreams all the time. And he's like, no, what do you mean? Like you have all that happen in your dreams. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I don't like, do you dream? Well, see, it's, well, it's been proven that people dream. It's just not everyone remembers their dreams. No, he says flat out when he does remember them, it's just like a blank space with like one thing floating around. He's like, literally, he's like, the only way he knew how to describe it was almost like a Homer Simpson when they flashed to what's going on in his head. He's like, so if I fall asleep and I have, he's like, and I'm thinking about like hot dogs. He's like, there's literally just a hot dog floating around in this black void. I'm like, that's interesting. What? I was just, well, I have full on adventures. (laughs) Bianca and I both have full on adventures that we share with each other that our friend Susan, hey, Susan, is like, what did y'all eat before bed? Now, see, in my other group chat, uh, we have called Bianca Dream Time, where almost every day I share what I dreamed about the night before. And everyone's I just like, yeah. what in the world? Every day I wake up remembering at least one of my dreams. Yeah. But. Dreams like last night, I dreamed that I was with my old youth group and my youth pastor and we were on like a youth retreat kind of sort of and we were doing all these like fun games and we ended up at like this for lack of a better word water park because it wasn't a water park but we were kind of like on a boat but it was also like a murder mystery and i got chosen as the person who was going to be murdered so i had to go and hide and then rachel ray showed up and i was cooking with rachel ray and that's when i woke up guys bianca and i have talked about writing a book based on all because <laughs> they'd be pretty wild <laughs> I know why I dreamed about Rachel Ray, though, because I had to order my cook set is a Rachel Ray cook set. And I had to order some new pans because they got scratched. Mm-hmm. So I know that's why I dreamed that, about oh, that. Probably. Yeah. I have no idea why my old youth pastor showed up in my dream, though. That was kind of odd. Well, remember the dream I had that time that uh, we had been asked by the Winchester brothers who were actually like real life, not just TV people. Uh, we had been asked to go on this hunt with the Winchester brothers and Colleen Hoover joined us and she kept hiding behind me and you while she was going, get it y'all, get it. Oh my God, get it. And you were like, what did you eat last night? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like we were just riding around in baby with Sam and Dean, like no big deal. Like we'd known them our whole lives. <sighs> on a TV show. Colleen is real. We have met her. But yes, we have met her. Yeah. I love us. We're entertaining. <clears throat> but I think it was really cool that uh, he has decided to, through this, become a better reader by reading um, and like changing up how he views books. Because he even said something about like visualizing it in, in his head and stuff, right? Yeah. Like how he visualized it. Um, But what I thought was really cute about after he talked about like visualing in his head and how people saw things different and that he wanted to become a stronger reader. He has another video a few days later where this lady had stitched him and was like, oh, who wants to tell him? Y'all, somebody going to tell him? And he restitched it with his wife and was like, tell me what? And he looks at her and he goes, what do they need to tell me? What am I missing? It's because poor thing was like give me ideas for books to read and I think the first two he had picked was the outsiders and 
Oh, crap. I wish I could remember. Oh, To Kill a Mockingbird. He chose. I remember The Outsiders. Yeah. Oh, Outsiders is on my list of all-time absolute favorites. They both are. And I know I, I brought this up before. Someone's going to give me reasons why I think Mockingbird should not be. But because of the problems, and I think we should learn from past mistakes, is one of the reasons why it still stays on my favorites list. The Outsiders yeah. is my absolute of my all-time favorites but he chose he's chosen those and i thought those are very good they're not hard reads um but they have a lot of allegory in them and as an adult could be taken much different than say when we read them as um preteens and teens so i thought it was fantastic but what the lady was alluding to was a tbr a to be read list if you're here yeah. you know what a tbr is and he didn't understand because now people are giving him more and more books to read and he wants to try to read what is it one a month i think yeah, I think that was what he wanted I to think do, his which that's was, a good goal. I thought that was an excellent goal, especially if you're not a reader. Um, and he's using it, his TikTok as an accountability thing. So, like, every so many chapters, he's going to come on and, like, talk. It was either every chapter or every so many chapters, and I really loved that idea. And I think there's something about, like, using social media as accountability. Um it's like I know a lot of people use to, uh, like Facebook and stuff for like gym accountability. And I know people give them crap, but I think the, you're not posting it to tell everybody else you went to the gym. You're posting to remind yourself that you did it and you can do it, basically. Yeah. It's, it's a, it is straight up. It's just like having an accountability partner. Exactly. And it's just having an accountability audience. <laughs> right. Like I in book in, in book world, I have you as an accountability partner to make sure like if when we pick a book, I have that. But not everybody does. And he, he's chosen to create this book talk to have that accountability partner, essentially. But uh, they were like, your TBR list, like, it's never ending. You're never going to finish. Like, he had, he thought he could make a list and finish it. And they were laughing, not at him, but, like, giggle laughing at, like, he, do we tell him? Like, yeah, do we tell him? And he was like. Just because it's cute to us. It is, it is adorable to us. And he was coming at it from a very, like, fresh eyes, like look and so he actually said in the comments he's like what do you mean i won't finish it before i die and somebody else is like oh bless his heart I was like, <laughs> so if you were on tiktok i would uh we can find his handle and share it i should have should have written that down if you're interested um, message us and I can send you him. I think it'd be great for all of us to support him and rally around him and follow him. Um, and maybe even read along with him if it's a book that you haven't read or you love, but you would like to reread. Because we've talked about it before, reading books at different points in your life, they come across differently. Like, yep, I think we sure about do. Magic, like how, like, uh, it was different this time. So... I really well, I think part of that, it might have been different on your end just because you were reading it with someone who had never read it. I think so. But there was also like, I didn't remember being just so disturbed by parts before. And yeah. I don't know why I wasn't. But this time I was like extra disturbed. And I think it's because things happen, people change, kind of stuff like that. Like, I don't know why. But. So Well, and on that note, we... Yeah. Uh, a little bit more of the TikTok social media trends. Yeah, still um, part of TikTok, yep. I stumbled across a very interesting video, and it was a woman saying what uh, this cool app for readers, basically. Mm -hmm. Which, not really an app, it's more of a website. It might be an app, I don't know. 
It might be an app. I don't either. I don't. The website is whatshouldireadnext.com. Mm -hmm. I'll repeat that again. Whatshouldireadnext.com. And you basically, you can make an account. It, Miranda and I literally did this like five seconds before we started recording. You can sign up with your Google account and it just automatically yeah. signs you in. I was logged into Google already. So I just clicked, yeah, I wanted a Google account. And I literally had an account created with what should I read next in less than, what'd you say, like five seconds, Bianca? It was yeah, like but probably good. not even five seconds. <laughs> yeah, it was like super fast. It was like, okay, here, here, here you go. You're good. But you can search by title or author of the book and then it will give you suggestions of what else you might like so i went ahead and did one and it saved it to a list called books i liked and then there's also a list called books i disliked and then there's a list called want to read and those are three that just came with the account i didn't have to name them or anything so you can make right. up a whole whole new list if you want to kind of like oh, spotify probably, yeah <clears throat> and then you can make your list public or private and then once you like enter a book, like let's say, let's do our, fa actually let's do your favorite. Let's do To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Mm -hmm. It's generating. So it says, if you liked To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, here are some books like this. And it lists um, Boy Tales of Childhood by Roald Dahl. A Light in the Attic by Shel Silverstein. I love A Light in the Attic. The Crucible by Arthur Miller. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Color Purple by Alice Walker. That is an excellent book. So, so it's listing like more classic slash established books. There's not a lot of randoms on here. And no. I think it did that just because To Kill a Mockingbird is such a classic book. Yeah, because it's like Great Expectations, uh, The Lottery, Romeo and Juliet, which... Yeah. You just brought up something I saw on Book Talk that I wasn't going to talk about, but you <clears> said it. Um, so Lila Dubois, who does the character protective services jokes, yeah. she did one the other day where like someone was calling in and they, she was like, what genre are you calling about? And they said classics. And she reminded everyone, which I think this is something that I was like, she's right. Classics is not a genre. No. Because she's like, what defines a classic? And I'm like, oh, my God, that is a good point. Classics can mean different things to different people. Right. Because I would say things like what we have listed um, of Mice and Men, Tales of Huckleberry Finn or Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Charlotte's Web, um, Pride and Prejudice, Romeo and Juliet, Great Expectations, pretty much anything by Dickens, anything by Poe. Um, I would even add some children's books in there, like Where the Wild Things Are. Um, Animal Farm, like those to me are classics, but you could say something else and the person next could say something else. Yeah. Like, so, I think a more appropriate word would be, I don't know, well-established books yeah. or. Well, you calling this a classic absolutely fits the mold, but I, I just <clears throat> made me think of that when she, she did her video the other day when she was like, no, 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 you can't call and complain about the genre of classics because what is a classic yeah i was like oh my god i mean that's a good point never thought about that but i wonder if you could like how that would work on here like because it's well no it didn't say you could search by it you can't type in genre they said type type in the title of the book well well once you author. type in a book you can it comes up with different 
uh, yeah. genres or tags. So yeah. you can click on that tag. So one it of does, one of the tags for To Kill a Mockingbird is Prejudice. Mm-hmm. Which so when is. I click on yeah. Prejudice, it brings up Pride and Prejudice, but then it also brings up books that you know revolve around different prejudices. Okay. And if you scroll down underneath the search bar, it also has a thing on the main page that says popular subjects. So that's how I actually, Bianca searched a a book and then clicked add, add, add. I actually went to the subjects area to do it a little bit differently than she did. And I just clicked on young adult fiction because YA is one of my loves. And it gave me 20 books. um, And I clicked like or don't like um, or and the only thing is, I wish there was, it says want to read. Um, I wish there was a haven't read, like, because there are books in, in in your life that, like, you look at it and you're like, that's not for me. So I can't say I dislike it, but I haven't read it either. I can't, you know, like, it's just not for me. Like, yeah, I wish that that would be my only option is to click a, like, not for me. Well, and then my only, I won't say a complaint, but gripe is a better word. Okay. Uh, when you click info and buy on any of the books, it just mm-hmm. takes you to Amazon. Which. And I mean, that's great. It's a popular service, but. It is. I have recently started wanting to support like more indie booksellers. Absolutely. So listen, I buy from Amazon. You buy from Amazon. It's going to happen, right? And I think you sent me a TikTok about this, but it was actually something I already knew that they sell books at a loss. Yes. And this is not bashing Amazon. Don't come for me, Bezos. Like I'm just saying. <laughs> I use you. My grandmother and I actually had a whole conversation about this the other night about Emperor Bezos and how we did not want to support him, but at the same time, it's the only way to get half the stuff that we need is to yeah. support him. Um, but <clears throat> Amazon actually uh, prints and sells books at a loss because they know they can keep you coming back. Not just for books, but for everything, all entirely. Um, but I think there's something to be said about paying a little extra, paying a little more, and supporting small or local, or both if you can, if that's an option for you. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, when I was still living in Alabama, we had a shop that my friend Mike ran um, called Fanatics. They mainly were comic books and magic cards and board games and things like that. But he did also sell uh, anime and manga and uh, graphic novels, things like that. Um, and even my friend Kelly, when he had his shop open in Enterprise as well. But he also sold books. Um, not a lot, but you, I mean, you, could, you could even order them through him. And I won't lie, they were a little bit more expensive than going to Amazon or, I won't, no offense, Bianca, but even going to Barnes. Like, oh, yeah, no. <clears throat> well, because Barnes can take the loss, and you know this, to do the buy, buy three for two or, or whatever that they do. Yeah. Um, so it is more expensive, but you are literally putting food on someone's table. Like you're literally keeping a a small place open. Um, uh, One of the places I really love, if you're a romance reader, is Love Sweet Arrow. They're out of Chicago. I actually, there's a shelf with my name on it there. Um, Literally, there's a shelf with my name on it there. Uh, (laughs) But uh, they're small and, you know, it's also niche. I think there's now four uh, romance bookstores in all of the United States. You found one and shared it with me on TikTok. 
There's Love Sweet Arrow, which I've known about for a while in Chicago. There's yeah. the Rip Goddess out in California. And then um, a friend of mine from the Heaving Bosoms podcast, <coughs> podcast group, Blair, has opened one as well. I, she's somewhere in Louisiana. That's really bad that I can't remember exactly where. But, like, supporting them. Um, and you actually also found uh, bookstores on TikTok that part of getting their word out there was they have created a TikTok and they share books. Yep. Um, there's one that she'll tell you, like, come buy books from us. Uh, I wish I could remember her name right now. But it's really easy. I'm sure if you Google or like not Google, but like if you search in TikTok, um, like small bookstore or local bookstore, you are going to find those. And I'm sure there's small bookstores in your area that you didn't even know existed, too. So I'll mention if you don't know where to get started with finding your local or indie bookstores, go to bookshop.org. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good place to start. Um, you can either sign in, like create an account, choose a bookstore, and then it even tells you how much money this website has raised for local bookstores. Right now it's sitting at $22 million, which I think is awesome. Fantastic. Um, but it'll you can search for a book and it'll tell you a local bookstore in your area that will have it. Mm-hmm. Um, a local one that I will shout out for um, my area is bodaciousbookstore.com. Um, it's a little bookshop downtown that is owned by the Bodacious company, for lack of a better word. They also have like a separate olive oil store and a separate coffee shop. So they're Ooh. like their own little conglomerate. It's really cute. <clears throat> but I will shout them out if you are in the Pensacola area. Go and check them out. Yeah. And of course, if buying books is just not in your budget, please use your library, use your local library. And I know some of you are going to be like, well, Kindle Unlimited, that is great as well. I understand. Again, you're giving Emperor Bezos money, but sometimes you've got to do what you got to do. And if that's the way that you have to go because it's the best for your budget, please know something about Kindle Unlimited. When you check out a book and you've read it and you finished it, go to the very last page in the book. I learned from an author friend who has chose to remove her books from Kindle Unlimited for this reason is that they only get paid cents per page. Yep. So if you get a Kindle Unlimited book and you choose not to finish it because you didn't like it, fine. Please go ahead and swipe to the very end. And I mean the end because sometimes I've noticed you'll finish a book and there will be a chapter from the next book or the author's notes. Go through all them bad boys before you close it out. Yeah. So that the author gets credit for that book being checked out because Kindle Unlimited is like ten seventy nine, I think, with tax-ish kind of stuff a month. Extremely reasonable. Totally worth it. I very much understand having to be on a budget with your books. But if you're going to do that, make sure you're fully supporting the authors that write these books and go all the way to the end so they get full credit for that book and not just get three cents. Because it's really sad how little they sometimes actually get for those books. Yeah, when I learned how much that they actually, like, made, I was like, ooh. It's a huge risk that they take. That's why, also, I have gotten to where there's a Kindle Unlimited book I really want. Because, obviously, being in Europe, it's a little bit harder for me to support local bookshops. I do still. I order from Love Sweet Arrow. Um, uh, and I've ordered from the one that you shared with me. I wish I could remember its name right now because what I wanted was non-romance. Because I do have an uh, American military post office, but when I was in Slovakia, I did not have the military post office, so I did depend on my Kindle. 
Yeah. And on my Kindle Unlimited so that I could get books in English. Um, and that's when I learned two things that, and then the other thing that I started doing is if I go to look at a book and it's on Kindle Unlimited instead, and, but I look at what the buy it now price is. So if it's like 99 cents a dollar, two ninety I'm probably just going to go ahead and buy it. Yeah. So that that author gets full credit for the work that they have given me. Support authors, guys. Pretty much, yeah. Like, if I find out anyone is pirating books that listens to us, you're gonna get a mouthful from me. I did find out today one of the websites that is like known for pirating, like that it's like the one of the main book pirating websites, has been officially shut down. Good. My author friend was like, "Oh, I'm crying." (laughs) So yes, like. I know they used to say this a lot. Like, if you're as old as I am, there used to be this thing that would pop up on your DVD about, like, don't pirate. It hurts everyone. Yeah. And I used to laugh at that because it's so cheesy. But in the author world, it really does. Like It really does. World, it does. I don't know how much it hurts people. And I'm still not saying you should pirate other things. But I'm just saying I don't know how much it actually hurts people in, like, the movie world. Because with streaming, they're not paid per stream, like. Yeah, no, they're, they're paid like paid. for like a contract or something right, like a contract. So like, eh, that's a gray moral area. And it used to be with music as well. Like when you were pirating music and I won't lie, I was very guilty of farming. La 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 la. I'm not listening. La 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 la. Oh, no. <laughs> like it's one of those things like I have admitted to it before. My cousin and I were some of the people that got Napster to cease and desist letters. Oh, see, I use Lime, I use LimeWire. <laughs> Girl, I'm old. So, in, as a high schooler, I got a cease and desist letter. Oh, good job, Miranda. Woo-woo. Only bad thing I did in high school. Well, there were some questions. Well, they weren't men; they were boys. But anyway, yes. So, but I learned. I also learned that then I don't. I still don't know about now with Spotify and stuff. But then it used to be that authors were paid so many cents per download or whatever. So if you were like pirating it, they weren't getting their money. But that's not the case with music anymore either. With books, it still is the case. Like if you're yeah. pirating it, they get nothing, absolutely nothing. And some people think that authors are just swimming in the money. Some are, but most are just living normal like middle i would say probably like 97 percent of authors are just just normal everyday people yeah Yeah. making the same amount of money that you and i are making for our jobs so just one of the reasons why miranda has yet to write her book that she said she was going to write (laughs) very much same yeah, it's just it's just a lot when you see what they put into it when they put all yeah. of their love into it. And with, with with putting all of their love into it, we continue to read them. So we have this month gone back to what we did um, in the first few episodes of our show, which is we have picked one genre. Uh, I wouldn't even say theme. We picked a genre. Um, and it's what a genre I really like. I know you read less of than I do. Um, and I think it's because one, I find comfort there, but two, because of Caden's eight, like I have a kid at home. Um, so we, this month chose a genre. You picked a book. I picked a book and we're going to do like we did before where I'm going to tell you about my book and you're going to tell me about yours. And the special thing about this month is Bianca's book also will be an adaptation or is an adaptation and will take place. Um, she's going to discuss that a little as well. So. 
Do you want to go first, Miranda? You want me to go first? Um, I'll go first if you don't mind, so that you can get roll right into your ad- adaptation while you're at it. Yeah. Um, but do you want to tell them what genre we chose or agreed on? We agreed to do middle grade. Middle grade. Um. So. Which we- let's uh define middle grade real quick. Yeah. It's kind of like I would say it's kind of like YA in that there's no real hard and fast rules. And I say that because I know that the book I chose is a juvenile book. It is a mid-grade book because mm-hmm. if you go in any bookstore, you're going to find it in that. Yes. But it was gave me strong YA vibes. So um, I actually answered this question for someone the other day. I, I think it was actually – it's funny. I think it was actually Lila. Um, she was asking – because somebody asked her, what is the difference in middle grade and YA? Because there are people that um, feel that they're really the same. And they have overlapping um, things, but in the same sense, they're not. I'm, I'm forgetting the words. Uh, I'm almost 40. I should have bigger words. Anyway, um, <laughs> I had bigger words. They're just gone tonight. So mid-grade is usually written for readers between the ages of 8 and 12. While young adult usually refers to readers roughly between the ages of 12 and 18. Um, But the terms do not really refer to the genre, but instead are kind of an age-based categorization. But there are certain things that can happen in YA that cannot take place in a middle grade. Yeah. Um, It was like, so... Characteristics of a middle grade fiction, usually they contain no profanity or graphic violence. Romance is limited to crushes and maybe kisses, first kiss, and holding. Protagonist of the book is usually between the ages of 10 and 13. Um, Mid-grade novels also are usually only between 30 and 50,000 words and typically, but not always, voiced in third person. Characters typically react to what happens to them within their immediate world with a focus on family and friends a lot of times. Um, the protagonator, the protagonator, well, yeah, the protagonator, I just can't I love that term. Oh my gosh. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. I am the protagonator. Type that in our notes, please. So the protagonator, which is basically the protagonist and narrator, genuinely do not delve too much into self-reflection, but instead focus on real-life situations. And because they're trying to get them primed and, like, ready for young adulthood. Um, In YA, there can be profanity, can be graphic violence, but um, they need to reflect on the maturity of the reading group. Romance is allowed, but not eroticism. And I will argue that, actually, because there have been a few that they have recently shelved as YA where I'm like, whoa, whoa, this is a little, yeah, little little graphic for, um, typically your protagonist in this group are between 15 and 18. Uh, young adult novels are genuinely 50 to 75,000 worlds. Though fantasy does tend to go above and beyond. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, young adult fiction is typically focused on how the main character fits in the grown-up world beyond their family and friends, um, while reflecting on events and analyzing their meaning so they can better understand themselves. It's their journey, they're coming into the world, um, and there's a lot of, because there's a lot of self-realization or reflection, uh, YA novels are often told in first person from the protagonist's point of view. Yes. 
that's the difference. Um, so, yes, there's like violence that happens because in the one that I read, I also chose to stick with our theme, which we had from the past two episodes, which was spooky season. Ooh, okay. Because I was like, well, I'm reading this in October to prep for us to record at the beginning of November. So I wanted to kind of, I had told myself anything I read during this time frame is going to be in spooky themes. I support that decision. Unless we had chosen something to read together that didn't fit, right? Yeah. So I had chosen to stick within that, that theme. I will say I do not remember any profanity for sure. There was some violence, but I don't think it was like, obviously it was not graphic. Um, And there is a crush and a kiss takes place, but it's no like, it doesn't go beyond that. So it definitely fits into the rules. Why am I pulling up Amazon? I'm trying to pull up Goodreads. Oh my goodness. (laughs) See? See? My FBI agent was like, you need some more of that Bezos. (laughs) really don't really don't so I chose to read um, the book The Halloween Moon by Joseph Fink Um, so he is actually the creator of Welcome to Night Vale and Alice Isn't Dead podcasts Um, and so he actually also wrote the novels Welcome to Night Vale so that intrigued me um, I had never actually read anything by him, but I have listened to several episodes of the Welcome to Nightville podcast, and I thought I feel like he's a great storyteller. So I was interested in this. Um, the synopsis of the book is Esther Gold loves Halloween more than anything in the world, so she's determined to go trick or treating again this year, despite the fact that her parents think she is officially too old. Esther has it all planned out, from her costume to her candy-collecting strategy. But when the night rolls around, something feels off. No one is answering their door. The moon is in a natural shade of orange. Strange children wander the streets wearing creepy costumes that might not be costumes at all. And it seems like the only people beside Esther who are awake to see it are her best friend, her school bully, and her grown-up next-door neighbor. Together, this unlikely crew must find a way to lift the curse that has been placed upon their small town before it's too late. Because someone is out to make sure that Halloween never comes to an end. And even Esther doesn't want to be trapped in this night forever. That sounds kind of dark for a mid-grade. It is a little dark. It's Halloween. It's classified as Halloween, paranormal, and supernatural, as well as scary stories. It reminded me a little bit of like a bump up. So I'm not knocking goosebumps. Don't come at me. I love Errol Stein, met him in person. But it's like a little bit of a step up from goosebumps. I gotcha. It's not quite his like Fear Street, or not Fear Street, that's Christopher Pike. Um, But he wrote, Errol Stein has like a young adult, like scary, right? Yeah. So it would be like in this perfect area between goosebumps and his young adult scary novels. Um. It's very intriguing, and I love his use of diverse characters. So Esther is Jewish, and her bully, turns out they really don't know why they're bullies with each other. Um, she is of Asian descent, and it she ends up being the bully because she feels she didn't want to be bullied, basically. 
she's like to keep from being bullied because I'm Asian and I'm different and I, you know, bring, I eat these different foods and, and live life differently. She just decided to, she became the bully. She became the most popular girl and she became the bully. Um, so she was like on the offense already. Oh yeah, for sure. And she gets really, for so for some reason her and Esther, and I think that she tells a story. She's like, when we were in like first grade or something, like we had one disagreement and that's just been that. And now I can't stand her. She can't stand me. <laughs> I mean, I relate. <laughs> but it's like very blunt, blatant and to the point. But it's also like how a middle school, because it's, it's the end of middle school. Next year they're starting high school. And that's part of the discussion that they have in this is she even asks her best friend at one point she's like do you think we'll still be friends who is a guy she's like do you still think we're going to be friends when we go to high school and he's like well why wouldn't we be in that like dopey like well why wouldn't we be like yeah and she's like but everything changes and she's so afraid of like everything changing um she absolutely loves halloween the costumes they describe that this girl made are sound phenomenal um like this year everybody so she'd been told no like by her parents like you can't go trick-or-treating this year like you you're getting too old for it like you, you need to stop and she's like but what's the harm and I agree with Esther what's the harm like if you're out trick-or-treating and like minding your business you're not causing trouble right like what's the harm like who cares how old you are to go trick-or-treating nobody cares I, don't I agree care. with that so um she has told her parents nope I'm gonna go to the movies with her friend, and this sounds really bad, but because it's been a couple weeks since I finished it, I cannot remember his name. So sorry. But her, she's like, no, no, I'm going to go to the movies with him. And what is interesting, it is very family-oriented. So it talks about her life as her family. Like, she has a good life and a good family, but she feels like her family doesn't understand her. She has, like, a way older brother who's in high school and a way younger little sister who's, like, they never... Like they, I think maybe one time they mentioned exactly how old she is, but she's essentially in my brain the whole time I was seeing her as like a toddler. Like, I don't think she's in like kindergarten. I think she's like mm, that, like. Like three or four years old, four year old kind of toddlerish age. Um, And she has a good life, but like they, she felt like they just don't understand her. And there's that added like Jewish thing and they want her to be this way. And she's not, she's super into Halloween and just like all the fun and gore and stuff of it. Um, and then her best friend, his mom is a single mom and she works really, really hard. And so he always talks about how she's always too busy. Um, they don't ever spend any time together, things like that. So it does fall under that genre, that whole like thing of how it usually includes family and the journey of understanding themselves but um so yeah they they there are these two guys that have trucks kind of like an ice cream truck one is a pumpkin one is an apple truck the one i'd go to the apple truck you go to the apple truck right so the one is like tall lanky skinny i kind of pictured like if jack skellington were a real person when i was reading this Um, and the other one was like kind of they said he was like i don't know this is gonna sound really bad but I was picturing in my head, you know, the little satyr from Hercules, the movie, the Disney yeah. movie? So, like, I was picturing like that because they were talking about, like, slicked back hair that needed to be washed. And he was small and pouty in stature. And I was like, so him, but, like, a real person? <laughs> I don't know why, but that's but they said he, like, even, like, he needed to take a shower. But the, And these two are brothers. They're brothers. Okay. Like, yeah, I don't know. So, anyway... 
and they never quite the whole book they never quite told you what they are where oh it's just it's just kind of like here's this here are these mysterious figures yeah but they're they're demons or something of some sort right and they're basically scoping out the neighborhood because the queen has decided that halloween needs to last forever and there's all these reasons why she has that halloween needs to last forever but she's chosen this area and this town and like when i was reading the synopsis and i said no one's answering the door so they start their trick-or-treating night they're super excited there's this huge orange halloween moon which happens every so often but it's really big and it's like really close to them um but as they start trick-or-treating like no one's answering the doors and, like, all the parents, as they're leaving, are, like, yawning and, like, can't stay awake for some reason. Um, so, every house they go into, like, there's this one guy in the neighborhood that always does this, like, giant, almost, like, haunted house that the kids can go through. And then they get candy. The haunted house is set up, but when they get through it, all the adults at the party where the, where the haunted house is, they're all asleep. Like, randomly around the house. So That's not good. So, yeah, so they go to the next place and nobody answers or the lady answers the door and she's yawning and she's like, just take it all. Go. I'm so sleepy. I'm so tired. Like, you guys, you're making too much noise. And then they go to another house and they're like, or no, they go to another house and they hear like screaming and stuff. And it ends up being her bully. Her bully also was trick or treating, even though she was making fun of. Esther for trick-or-treating um, she was trick-or-treating and she's gone back to the car and her mom is just dead asleep in the car and her baby brother is missing oh no so Esther goes to her house her whole family's asleep and her baby sister is missing the toddler is missing so suddenly they realize all these like small children are missing and everyone's parents are asleep but it's hide your kids, hide your wives. They coming for them. Hide you, hide you, hide you, everybody. But the neighbor, who is the dentist that they make fun of because he gives away teeth toothbrushes instead of candy, is wide awake. His wife dead asleep. He's wide awake, and they end up having to survive the night because these two, the two men that have been like chasing or have had the pumpkin and the apple truck and have been like scouting out the area. Are now like chasing them around and are like, you should go to sleep. Why aren't you asleep? You need to be asleep. And this is where like the violence starts happening. That is not gory, but he throws like apples with razor blades in them. Good grief. So I think that's because I think he chose that because that was the joke, you know, for so long that like, oh, don't, you know, somebody's gonna put apple uh, razor blades. Yeah. So that and then the uh, the one that with the pumpkins is throwing pumpkins that explode and are on fire. Oh, running for their life through this. So they try to they keep trying to call the police, too. And like they can't get through to the police, can't get through to the police. Um, They realize their whole little area is in a pocket that like nobody can get in. Nobody can get out. Kind of like under the dome. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I picture it, at least. Um, So they end up. On this, like, night-long journey, I won't go into all the details because I want people to read it, right? So they go on this, like, night-long journey of now they're, like, at first the dentist doesn't believe them, by the way, because why would you? Like, hey, these guys are chasing us. My brother's missing. My sister's missing. All of our parents are asleep. And he's, like, this is not funny. And he's where they're, like, we know it's not funny. And the the children in costumes that they mentioned in the synopsis 
So what they didn't mention is you think they're children, but they're in these like tattered, gross, disgusting costumes like they've been wearing them for years. And they make these clicking and clacking like bug noises. So there's all these things now chasing them. The dentist, though, finally sees what is going on and he believes them, obviously. So this ragtag gang has to go for the night and save the town because otherwise it's going to be stuck in Halloween forever. I want to know why a dentist. So that actually comes into play at the okay. very beginning of the book. Um, so there's an object that has caused this whole thing to happen that the queen has stolen to make this happen, to make her stronger, to be able to put this in like a time loop portal that they're in. Because it's essentially what it is, right? It's kind of like when we were listening to Peregrine, like it's, a, it's they're stuck in a specific time, right? So he used to work for and to stay away from that to like leave that world behind he became a dentist because what's more like he he says what's more like calm and unforgettable of a lifestyle than just being a dentist instead of being a thief I mean Okay. <laughs> rare artifacts. Like, well, that's just what they chose. Well, and if you think about it, it fits because he's the neighbor that most kids are like, I don't want to go trick or treat at his house. He gives. Yeah, that's pictures. true. Oh. Yeah. So in that sense of it being a, a story about Halloween night and collecting as much candy as you can and, you know, believing in these kind of things, like it makes sense that he would be the adult that would take place. Yeah. Um, it gave me, obviously, some Scooby-Doo gang vibes. I could see that. I got some Supernatural vibes. Definitely Goosebumps throws in there. Um, because there's all these, like, creatures and obviously going to, like, another dimension and things like that. Very paranormal, very supernatural. Uh, obviously they do save the day, but there's a lot that happens that I was just like completely floored by. Um, and it is, but it is in the end, she says like the reason she so badly wanted to continue with Halloween is because she didn't want, she was so worried about the change, like what comes next, like getting older, going from middle school to high school. Um, which I can understand, you know, like we've all been there. Yeah, it's a very, for lack of a better word, disturbing time. Because you don't know what's happening. You're very confused all the time. Yeah. And that's what your, she said. Your body's changing. Your brain's changing. Yeah. Your, literally, your whole life is changing. Well, and I don't know about you, but that whole, when she looks at her best friend and says, do you think we'll still be friends in high school? Um, and it sounds like, obviously, they've gone to school together her, their whole life. Her, her bully, her best friend. There's other friends that they mentioned scattered throughout there that are, not of importance for this book and this story, but, you know, so clearly she's like me where she went to school with the same people growing up her whole life. Um, and so I think her question is valid of like, but what if we change? What if we don't like the people we become in high school? Or what if we are so totally different? Like, what if we're not friends? Uh, because honestly, the person that was my best friend through middle school and grade school just we actually ended high school not ever speaking again. 
And I think we all have someone like that because I have that same story. I had yeah. a best friend from kindergarten to eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And then after eighth grade, it was just like, bye. No, she, yeah. Well, mine wasn't, mine was from like fifth grade. So from like fifth grade to eighth grade, I had a friend that I was very best friends with. Um, freshman year of high school, we started like having a lot of differences and pulling away from each other. And by the time I got to like sophomore year, we weren't even speaking. Yeah. So I think her question, and I, I like that they cover things like this in middle grade books. Um, because I was about to say, it's very it. poignant. Yeah. Yeah. And it does. It, it plays right into the points that they brought up that typically they are um, where they're trying to, it's, it's, they're reacting to what is happening to them in their immediate world with their focus on and normally it doesn't it says that they, it doesn't dive into so much self-reflection but she's not she's looking at a real life situation of what happens what is going to happen um and this is also where her and her best friend realize like oh we're getting older and we're interested in each other yeah um, so clearly if you any any kind of reader would see that they're going to end up as a boyfriend and girlfriend um, and the bully and them are now all friends, which they should have been the whole time. Like, there was no reason for them to actually, like, be bullying each other. Like, it was just very strange. Um, but it's exactly what you would think of out of a learning lessons, trying to figure out where you fall into place growing up um, middle grade book that is spooky and a little bit scary. Because there were times when they were running from these guys, like, as a group. But I was thinking to myself... Like, she's talking about everybody else. Uh, the, the dentist one time is like, can everybody climb? And she, like, it tells you, like, the narrator, her, tells you, like, Esther said that she could. But then she gets up over the wall and is like, why did I say I could? I cannot do this. <laughs> so she, like, literally, like, throws. Like, it's something I would do. Like, she says she's very clumsy. It's like she just kind of, like, lunch throws herself over. And he's like, I thought you said said you could do this and she's like well I made it didn't I like (laughs) but they're like literally running for their lives and she's talking about like trying to climb this fence and she's like I didn't know I was gonna have to climb a fence like things like that it's really funny so there were moments in this book where even though I'm an adult I literally was dying laughing because I could see myself as what are you in eighth grade 13 14 I think Yeah. yeah so you're like 13 14 and I was like I actually have a story of being 14 and like somebody being like can you hop this fence and be like yeah and then I was like no that didn't go so well (laughs) (laughs) so I was dying laughing at Esther um it it was so funny and it made me like I said I've listened to welcome to my little podcast and I enjoyed it and I thought um, that he is a great storyteller. I read this as a middle grade book and it made me want to read more of his works. I also did the thing where I could multitask and I did part in audio and part in like just regular book um, because there are times that I want to be reading and I can't. So the if you choose the, the audio book route, the narrator is actually fantastic for this one as well. So. I'm glad one of us can do audiobooks. You know, there's a whole discussion I want to have about this in another pod because it could take up a while, but I've done a lot of research on like, because that's a big debate, right? Like, is audiobook a book? I said yes, even though I can't, I can't do it, but I, 
you're devoting time to yeah. to a written and word. still absorbing the information. Like, uh, somebody else brought this up, too. They're like, well, uh, we actually, it was something you and I were talking about that my cousin does. We were like, he asked, and I asked your opinion. He wanted to know, do you count the books that he reads to his children? And his children are old enough that he's reading, like, Charlotte's Web, Harry Potter. Like, we're reading chapter books. We're not just, like, reading, like, I don't, I don't want to say that kids' books aren't important, but you know what I'm saying. It's counting towards his goal, his Goodreads goal, yeah. right? And I said, you, and you agreed with me. You're like, yes, you took the time to read a whole chapter book. But then his daughter was like, well, can I count it as my Goodreads? Because my dad read it to me. And I was like, were you actively engaged in the story and can answer questions about the story, the book? Then yes. Then yes, that is, you just read it in a different avenue. Yeah. Is what I think. But I read a lot of articles on like people with ADHD that like cannot read but want to. Um, yeah. So like we'll talk about that sometime because I would love to like get into that because I know there's like differences. But I do. I jump back and forth. And I think that's also one of the ways that I can finish so many books. Because you're like, I don't know how you do it. But I think <laughs> I can finish so many because I bounce back and forth between audio and reading uh, an actual book. Because of my job, and then also I homeschool Caden. Um, and when I'm working on homeschool, I try to keep he doesn't do well with total silence, but we do things like he does really well studying and, and working with like video game music or lo fi um beats, yeah, um, and stuff like that. So we play those instead of me watching like a TV show where he'd come out here and be like, What's that? Yeah, oh, something he might get distracted by. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of that he's old enough now that a lot of the shows I watch, uh, there's like 10% I wouldn't ever let him watch. But like a lot of the shows <laughs> I watch, there's no problem with him being in the room anymore. Like he's 16, why does it matter? You know, there's a dead body, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know, like he sees worse in his video games. Uh, Outlander, no, you ain't coming in here for that. Mm-mm. <laughs> there's, I, dry, I have hard no-nos that we don't allow him. And we still don't allow him to like, we're like, no. Um, but he, he's an audiobook person, but I read during the day my audiobook at work or things like that. So that's honestly how I finish a lot of books. Yeah. Well. So a lot of times I am going to possibly read a book for the podcast and be able to say like, oh, I recommend this on audio or I don't recommend this on audio. No, and I think that's good for our listeners. So this I'm glad I you do, do it. If you're in audiobook, I recommend on audio. I left a lot out on purpose because I feel like this is one that even though it's not a, it's not a hard read, I won't lie. I mean, it's mid grade, um, but you're not putting in like deep. The world building is fantastic, but it's not a world that you're having to go. Wait, what? Like you would in like some fantasy books. Like it's basically us adjacent. Yeah. According to my, the speed that I use on audio, um, which is, I don't use the, basic one i go one step up Does that makes sense i have no idea what you're talking about because i don't do audiobooks <laughs> when you get an audiobook there's like a normal base speed that they all come at which is like normal talking speed you can go faster like we do on marcos right okay yeah or you can go slower um, oh okay and i go so the normal base speed is like one yeah i do 1.1 1. 1. okay I don't know why. Now, see, when I listen to podcasts, I do 1.25, I think. Yeah, I can do 1.1, 1.2 um, because it's you're not tripping over your words. To me, I'm a, obviously I'm a fast talker. So to me, it's like talking to myself. 
does that make yeah. sense? Or listening to myself. Um, so if you listen to it at the speed I do on audiobook, it says it's seven hours and five minutes. Um, I forget. It's not very thick either. Halloween Moon. Which, as we transition to my book, I want to ask how many, do, since you did audiobook, does it tell you how many pages it is for, like, if it translated to a book? No, so that's what I was looking up. So it tells me how many hours it is, and then it breaks it also down by chapter, and so it tells me how long each chapter are in, like, minutes or hours. Um, so total, it's seven hours and five minutes. But then I go over to Goodreads, and I look up um, the pages. So on Goodreads, if you read the just – if you, like, exclusively read the book and didn't jump back and forth like I did, um, which – it's hard to do also because then you have to go, well, where would I be here? Like, it's easier to go from audio to paper, but it's harder to go from paper to audio. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you got you haven't defined what place you would be at. Um, but it was only 288 pages. So it's a quick read, but, you know, and at work, I need something to listen to. I won't lie. I need something to, to keep me going. Well, and I will say mid-grade books tend to be shorter anyways. They do. Just, just because kids' attention spans are not obviously not like a, us adults. Right. Um, I mean, and you're going to have some that read at a higher level and they're probably already reading right way anyway. But it's like it said earlier, mid-grades are between 30,000 and 50,000 words typically. Yeah. So I feel like 288 pages is good for a mid-grade. Oh, I agree. Um, Yours is... I say that because mine, I it was long. I thought so too. I was not expecting mine to be this long. So I did The School for Good and Evil by Soman Chanani. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm not positive, but we're worth it. <clears throat> um, and I apologize. It, it is a series. I want to say there's seven books in the series. Um, let me look. While you I could be talk. wrong. Um, it was recently turned into a Netflix movie, which I will talk about in our adaptation minute. But um, let me go ahead and pull it up on Goodreads just so I can read there the little synopsis. Are six books, it says. Okay, six. So, The School of Good and Evil by Soman Shanani. That's how I'm going to say his name. I apologize if that is not. On the little synopsis, it says, this year, best friends Sophie and Agatha are about to discover where all the lost children go. The fabled school for good and evil, where ordinary boys and girls are trained to be fairy tale heroes and villains. As the most beautiful girl in Gavaldon, Sophie has dreamed of being kidnapped into an enchanted world her whole life. With her pink dresses, glass slippers, and devotion to good deeds, she knows she'll earn top marks at the school for good and graduate a storybook princess. Meanwhile, Agatha, with her shapeless black frocks, wicked pet cat, and dislike of nearly everyone, seems a natural fit for the school for evil. But when the two girls are swept into the endless woods, they find their fortunes reversed. Sophie's dumped in the school for evil to take uglification, death curses, and henchman training, while Agatha finds herself in the school for good, thrust amongst handsome princes and fair maidens for classes in princess etiquette and animal communication. But what if the mistake is actually the first clue to discovering who Sophie and Agatha really are? Mm. So this is obviously not Earth adjacent. <laughs> um, this book is um, fantasy 
it is almost 500 pages. It was a very long book. And these words are not big words either. Like they're printed on the page somewhat small. Which I and am down for large, like not, I don't mean like crazy large print, but I got, a, I, I checked out a book the other day that like, it's not large print, but it's in between what you're talking about and what an actual large print is. And I was like, yeah. this is the sweet spot for those of us <laughs> with that eyesight. I'm just saying, can every book be printed in that? Like it ain't tiny word, but it's not large print. No, like it'd be, it'd be nice. I'm just saying. But I was just taken aback by the length of the book. Because, like I said, normally mid-grade books are somewhat shorter. Yeah. And, like, this took me a week to read. A little over a week. I think it took me about nine days. That's, for you, well, it's it depends a, on what you have going on. But I'm used to you finishing a book rather quickly. So normally I can finish, normally I can finish a book in, like, two or three days. It took me a while for this one. Um. So it's good for... School for Good and Evil. Let me pull up my notes real quick. So like I read from the Goodreads summary, um, Sophie and Agatha are best friends. They live in a town called Gavaldon. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce some of these names. Like I said, it's fantasy. So just work with me here. Right. Um, Sophie has believed all of her life that she is destined to go to the school for good. Um, she basically lives in a town where there's a small bookstore and I think they said once a year they get the, the bookstore gets a mysterious book delivery and it's always some kind of new fairy tale. And hmm. every every four years, two children from the town get kidnapped and they literally just disappear in the night. Well, word eventually, yes, word eventually got out that those children ended up at this mythical school for good and evil where you get trained to be either a prince or princess. Um, the town first, uh, said the bears were doing it, mm -hmm. but then once the missing children started showing up in the storybooks, the people who read those storybooks started making the connections like, oh, these children are getting kidnapped and then put in these stories. Like this has to be like a real thing happening. And the kidnapping always happens the same night every four years. So the townspeople, they get prepared this time, like. They're not going to take our children kind of thing. I'm guessing it doesn't matter how much preparing you do. It happens. It does not. Like Sophie's father oh. had like barred her windows, locked her in her room. Like Sophie was going to stay home. She was not going to get kidnapped. However, a mysterious shadow comes and kidnaps her. And Agatha was trying to make sure that Sophie wasn't kidnapped either. So she had snuck out, even though she would promised her mom she was going to stay home and be safe. But Sophie had just always dreamed of going to the school for good. So she was just like, I'm just going to lay here and let it happen. I want to go and leave this poor, sad town so badly. And in trying to save bad? her. Like, is it that bad of a town? Like, So I... The way I read it, it's kind of like Belle from Beauty and the Beast, where she it's just this, it's okay. a small little town, and everyone just kind of does the same old hunky-dory thing, and Sophie Girl, just I believes that she is mm -hmm. destined for greater things. I get, I get it. I get it. I grew up in one of them. <laughs> totally understand. Love my hometown. Don't want to live there for the rest of my life. Don't want to. So Sophie's laying there waiting to get kidnapped. Agatha is like on the way to her house to make sure she doesn't get kidnapped. This shadow comes up, basically kidnaps 
Sophie drags her through the woods and Agatha tries to interfere. And then the skeleton bird. It's the only way to describe it is a skeleton what bird. What is it with these birds in these books we've been reading lately? <laughs> I'm just going to say, like, birds be causing all kinds of problems in books. They do. Birds are scary. Have you not seen birds, uh, the movie? Alfred Hitchcock, birds. Yeah, yeah Alfred Hitchcock. Birds, birds. <laughs> Anyways, so the skeleton bird basically picks them up and delivers them to the school. But... Like I said, Sophie thinks that she's going to be good. She's been good her whole life. She has been like in the mindset of I'm going to be a good princess. Sophie gets dropped in the school of evil in this black sludge because it's a school for evil. Like you're you're being trained to be a villain. So she's dropped in this black sludge. She is she's wearing like a this frilly pink nightgown. She's given like this black potato sack to wear. And she looks around at all the children that have also shown up. They have, like, scars all over their faces. They smell. They haven't showered in weeks. Their Again, teeth are falling out. showering. What the heck is going on? <laughs> and then Agatha is literally dropped into this, like, tub of cotton candy. Because she is dropped in the school for good. She is awakened by fairies and princesses who are questioning her because unlike Sophie, Agatha is always dressed in black. She's very homely looking. Her hair is very scraggly. Like she looks the part of a villain. So she should not be in the school for good. I don't want to be dropped in cotton candy, though. That's so sticky. <laughs> so sticky. Um, and like like you said with your book, um, the main character made you laugh a bit. Mm-hmm. Agatha is also very witty and with all these princesses and fairies like questioning why she was dropped in the school for good right. she she attempts to distract them by farting in front of all these princesses and just <laughs> runs away <laughs> oh that is fantastic that is fantastic um like uh so she's attempting to find Sophie and get to the school for evil which those two schools are separated kind of like by a moat, for lack of a better word. Okay, makes sense. So she she enters the water to cross, but mm-hmm. the sea is magical that's like in between the schools, and it pushes her back in the school for good. So she literally cannot cross to even go so talk to Sophie. kind of like in my book, you can't leave that area. Like if you go, it just kind of like zaps you back in. Like you, it, you yep. are where you are. Like it is what it is. Basically. Interesting. <laughs> so Sophie and Agatha are like both... They're touring their separate schools. They're getting to know the people in their schools. And there are tons and tons of side characters in this. I cannot tell you anyone's names besides these main people because there are just so many. Hmm. And, and I say that as I'm currently reading the second book in this series. Like, when I, when I read a name, I'm like, oh, okay, I know who that person is. But can I tell you any of their names right now? No, I cannot. Oh, wow. So there's like five or six different like side people from each school that are kind of like their friend group that they bond with. Okay. And they each have their own personalities. Some are very frilly and princessy and some are like villains. Um, the princesses or the future princesses, I should say, because they're not princesses right now. They are descendants of other famous princesses. Like, one girl is Snow White and Prince Charming's daughter. I'm getting some very, like, Descendants slash Once Upon a Time vibes. Yes, yes, very much so. And then over in the School for Evil, some of those children are, like, the wicked stepmother's 
hidden child. One is the uh, sheriff of Nottingham's son. Okay. Um, one is the, the witch from Hansel and Gretel. It's her daughter. Okay. So you're, you're surrounded by all of these like great storybook characters and their descendants. Makes sense. Um, there is a two-headed dog that tells the students what is expected. And they kind of eventually have like a school assembly that's kind of like school orientation of what's to be expected from everybody. And there's one particular prince whose name is Tedros. He, he is King Arthur and Queen Guinevere's son. Ooh, I like that. Yes, and he has Excalibur. His father has gifted him Excalibur. I don't like that. <clears throat> and while the book is written from the perspective of Sophie and Agatha, we get both of their perspectives, we get a little bit of insight into Tedros. That's, uh, I don't even know if I said his name. That's King Arthur's son. Yes. We get a little bit of his perspective. Um, obviously, a prince's purpose in storybooks is to find his princess. But he learned from his father that he cannot necessarily trust the princesses because in his father's fairy tale, in King Arthur's fairy tale, Guinevere goes off with another knight and leaves King Arthur. If anyone is familiar with the King Arthur legends. Interesting. Um, so Tedros is kind of apprehensive about finding a princess. But he's also the most handsome boy in school, and all the girls are smitten with him because he's just the top marks, and he's the best at everything. So, of course, Sophie falls in love with him. Wow. But, obviously, a student in the school for evil can't be in love with someone from the school for good. It won't work. Everyone's like, no, you can't do that. That's not how this plays out. Um, Agatha is very crafty. She is very witty. She is very smart. She knows how to use her surroundings. She eventually finds a way into the evil school to see Sophie. And she finds it through this magic portal that is guarded by her own reflection. The, very Harry Potter there. The reflection comes out and says, you're not supposed to be here. And she's like, well, why? They're like, this is a school for evil. You're not evil. You're clearly good. And she has to trick that reflection into thinking she is evil. And she does it by like saying, well, if I was if I was good, why would I be out here trying to sneak into the school for evil? And, and it's like, oh, Valid that's a good point. point. Yeah. <clears throat> so she she knows how to use her wit and use her brain to get out of sticky situations. Um, Sophie and Agatha eventually talk. And they both agree they're obviously in the wrong schools. Agatha is not cut out to be a princess and Sophie is not cut out to be a villain. She's disgusted by the whole school. So they think that if they can find the schoolmaster and talk to him and reason with him, that they'll be like, yeah, this is obviously a mistake. Let's go but fix it, it. But it sounds kind of like in Harry Potter where the sorting hat knows what it's doing. Like, yes, sounds like it knows what it's doing. Like it knows your heart, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, and that's part of what I didn't like about this book is there's a lot of back and forth like that where okay. you have these two children mm -hmm. who think that they know better than the adults, which I realize that's a trope in both yeah. mid-grade yes. and YA. Mm -hmm. um, children and teenagers, they don't want to listen to authority. 
It's the same in television shows, too, that are for children on, like, Nickelodeon and Disney, and it's brought up time and time again, The Descendants and all of those being one of them, where the children usually run the run thing, like, you know. Yeah. So they think if they can find, like, the school headmaster, that she can get them to change their minds. Um, the only problem is that the school headmaster in, like, this very tall, isolated tower that's, like, in between the two schools. Mm-hmm. And it's made to where no one can access it. Interesting. So, to sum up kind of the middle part of this book, there's a bunch of hijinks that occur. Um, it's just As typical. One time in a boarding school. I mean. It's typical children going to school type things like at one part in in Sophie's class she is told to tame a goose because obviously villains have to have little sidekicks okay so Sophie is told to tame a goose but instead of taming it she makes it explode and it makes her the most evil of all the students in the evil school because if she's so evil that instead of taming it she just makes it explode obviously she's the most villainous person of them all and yeah. Sophie's like, no, no, I'm good. I promise I'm good. And you have a lot of internal things from Sophie that shows that she's not sincere. She's not genuine. She's very much one of those classic it girls. So and she's also like a bully. Like they don't really, they think what they're doing, they think they're good, but they're actually hurting people as well. Yes. Like they're, they're yes. like doing what they have to do to, to prove that they're so good and prove that they're the best, that they're actually hurting the little people, basically. Exactly. Okay. And then Agatha is doing the same thing in that in her classes, she's trying to convince all the teachers that she's really evil. So at one point, Agatha is taking a, a learn to talk to animals class because like things like Snow White or Cinderella, they always talk to their animals. Yes, they do. And make little friends with them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they're trying to teach these girls. And there is a... A wish fish is what they called it in the lake. Okay. Where the girls would go up to this fish, make a wish, and the fish would somehow make it, if not come true, like help them along their journey to make it come true type thing. Okay. Well, Agatha is so powerful that when she goes up to the fish, her wish is just to help this fish because she can feel its emotions and it feels trapped. And that fish actually turns into a girl. And the girl says, you're the only, you're the first person to ever wish for my freedom. Thank you for taking my emotions into account, basically. Uh And that's when she learns that every single thing in their classes that is not a human used to be a human. So if you fail your princess classes or you're not really good at being good, you're turned into like a plant or a fish. Just like my book, that's kind of dark, ain't it? It got very dark. Because you said the same thing. You're like, that sounds a little dark. And I was like, kind of has some moments. But that's that sounds like horrifying. Like, if you're not good enough, you become this inanimate object. Yep. Well, and then, like, right after the fish turns into a girl, this, like, kind of magical bubble, for lack of a better word, pops. And all of these creatures run for Agatha at the same time. Because they realize she has the ability to change them back into being a human. Interesting. There was a gargoyle that was guarding the school for evil. Mm -hmm. 
and it makes its way over to Agatha and the School for Good. And Agatha realizes this is not like a horrible demon gargoyle. This is just a boy. And just as she's like halfway through the transformation, Tedros comes up with very good meaning to save her from the gargoyle, chops his head off. Oh, my God. Because he saw it as a demon gargoyle attacking Agatha, not Agatha saving the boy. I'm noticing a huge theme of things aren't always as they appear. That goes throughout the whole book. Because, I mean, the girls have been, you assume she'd be evil, you assume she'd be good. These inanimate objects uh, aren't just inanimate objects. And then the gargoyle is actually not bad. He's good, but the prince misunderstands it. Like, there's a lot already that's like we're totally viewing everything incorrectly. There is a lot that happens in this book. And there's a reason it's thick. Like, We've discussed that I'm a 88 pages, literally 200, exactly 200 more than mine. And there was a lot that happened in my book. So I cannot imagine (laughs) when you have 200 more pages. We've said that I'm a skimmer. I literally could not, I could not skim this book. And I think that's why it took me so long because I found that if I skimmed it, I missed something and I had to go and be like, wait, what I miss. And I know you're a skimmer because we have literally read together, like in a room together where you were in one bed and I was in another and we read our own books like independently to go to sleep. And you would just like page turn to page turn. And I was like, what the hell is going on over there? <laughs> That's when I learned you had told me before, like, Oh, I'm a skimmer, but like the people at home, I'm letting them know, like you really are. Like I have witnessed it. Like, <laughs> yeah. But you can't, skim this book for any other skimmers out there like you need to read it paragraph by paragraph um to cut out some chapters the girls eventually make it to the master's tower um they confront him basically demanding to either swap schools or be sent home like at this point they're just done really however there is a magic pen and tablet called the storian that writes the fairy tales. So many Once Upon a Time. Yes. Sorry. Yes. This is, I am a huge Once Upon a Time fan. So I am like seeing this all. Yes. Um, the headmaster basically says once the story and has started writing your book, you have to see it to the end. Um, since mm. their story is already being written, they can't go home. They have to see how the story plays out. Um, however, they do have a chance to swap schools. The master has given them a riddle, and if they can figure out the riddle, then they can swap schools. What's the one thing evil can never have, and what's the one thing good can never do without? I feel like I should know this, but I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm overthinking this. But um, So after they're given the riddle, they both kind of agonize over it. Sophie is like, instead of being paying attention in her classes... She's trying to figure out the riddle and she gets her mouth spelled shut. So she physically can't talk or voice anything for a little while, which honestly I was fine with. You wouldn't care. That would just ruin my day. (laughs) Um, We also get some more background about the founders of the school and the headmaster. Um, They were twin brothers. One was good and one was evil. One of them died, but we don't know which one died. 
Very interesting. Um, the turning point, the first, I'll say the first turning point in the book comes with Sophie. It has her first like discipline mm-hmm. in the school for evil. And she is taken to what they call the doom room. And this also gets very dark. She is chained to a wall and then a beast is like kind of taunting her with various uh, torture devices. And it, it's very tame in what, in what happens because it is mid-grade. Well, because they can't tell you the gore. They can just say it squashed her fingers or it pulled her arm, but it can't say, like, it pulled her arm off and blood well, was going everywhere. Like, that's where you think it's going because the narrator is describing all of these, like, horrific instruments. But in the end, the beast decides to simply chop off Sophie's hair. Well, but, to a middle school girl, even now, wait, wait, I'm an adult. That is horrific. It is, because that's the one thing Sophie had always prided herself on. She had very long blonde hair like a typical princess would. Right. So to, for her to have it chopped off, that's like the starting point of her turn to evil, basically. Yeah, don't take my punzy hair. Don't take my punzy hair. Um, after he chops off her hair, the beast unchains her from the wall. And then we get the internal monologue from Sophie about... How she'd always tried to be good, but this was kind of like the last thing to push her over. She shoves the beast into the river and he drowns and she has no regrets about it at all. Well, I'm sorry. He chopped off her hair. I think I'm with her. (laughs) I'm just saying I'm. But that's that's when she kind of starts to accept the fact that she is evil. Um, About halfway through the book, we also get the answer to the riddle. If you haven't guessed it yet. It's love. Oh, I was overthinking it. <laughs> um, Sophie is kind of still on her quest to prove she's good, though. And she thinks that she, since they have solved the riddle that mm-hmm. it's love, she thinks that if she kisses Tedros, that it will prove that she is good. So she kind of sets out on a quest to get Tedros to kiss her. They also kind of have like a, uh, what did they call it in Harry Potter in the fourth book? Um, a wizard's challenge mm-hmm. type thing. The Triwizard Tournament. Yeah, they kind of do the same thing. There's there's like a tournament of magical abilities. The kids are put out in the woods to survive for X amount of time. Sophie really sucks at it and Agatha has to help her. There's a lot of back and forth with Tedros of will they, won't they type things. Um, There are a few instances where Sophie has to like transform into like a bush. And then remember, she's from the school of evil, but they also have a few girls from the school for good also transform into bushes. And then it's up to the princes to just gravitate towards a bush that is good so that they can help determine this is what good feels like versus this is what evil feels like. Oh, so if they are a good prince. They can tell the difference. They would know the difference. Yes. Um, and one of those challenges, though, Agatha. Well, I would like to bring up a whole list of princes who done messed up. <laughs> not knowing who was good and evil. But um, <laughs> Eric. <laughs> I think almost all of them. <laughs> 
I'm but the trying- part of this exercise is to get better princes. Be better, okay? <laughs> um, there are a couple of challenges, though, where Agatha is in there with Sophie and they both transform into whatever it is. And Tedros naturally gravitates toward Agatha instead of Sophie. And then when they transform back, Tedros is like, you tricked me. How dare you? Because they still think Agatha belongs in the school for evil. And everyone starts to realize, oh, no, Agatha's actually good. That's why you're drawn to her. Um, Near the end, Sophie starts having what's called nemesis dreams. And it's basically where an evil, like the, the most villainous of villains, they constantly think about their nemesis and how they can defeat them and well yeah look at the every, all conqueror look at every villain in any disney movie what do they do they obsess yes getting <clears throat> getting their hero and sophie starts to obsess about getting tedros but unfortunately the one thing that's in the way now is agatha because tedros keeps gravitating towards agatha in all of these things so it's it's a very mixed bag of things throughout all of this um, I'm trying to skip ahead because there's some stuff that I could tell you about, but it's just kind of filler. Yeah. Um, they basically have like a magic show and tell and whoever does the best magic tricks wins the thing. Um, Sophie has basically at this point undergone a full evil transformation and she looks like an old witch hag. She mm. no longer even looks like herself. Meanwhile, Agatha has been visited by her fairy godmother and is now one of the most beautiful girls in school. Some very um, um, Princess Diaries going on there. Yes, very much so. I'm loving all of this. <clears throat> this, is, this is a book I've had on my list for a very long time. And it's I a have, very like, Miranda book. I've checked it out from the library, but then like returned it. It wasn't like one of those like picked up DNF or anything. I just... I've picked it up and then like something else has caught my attention and it's time to return it or just different things like that. But it's been on my list for so long. Well, not to give too much away, as with any grand adventure book, there is a huge fight, like a boss fight at the Mm -hmm. end of this book. Um, Sophie is wounded. Agatha sees that Sophie is wounded and goes to like, cradle her basically and in like her dying moments she uh agatha kisses sophie because they're best friends that's what best friends do especially as children yeah you kiss like on the forehead the cheek the, you know you hug like i mean yeah. yeah but that kiss is true love's kiss i was gonna say because it's exactly what it is and it brings sophie back But at the very end of the book, like, even though obviously a princess and a witch can be friends, the end of the book is they just turn into gold dust and disappear. And that's the end of book one. So is each book a different people's story? No. That's why I started reading book two is because I wanted to know how the rest of the series is. Yeah. Um, So far, I'm about halfway. Yeah, I think I'm right at the halfway point of book two. Um, so okay. far, it's a continuation of Agatha and Sophie, so obviously they come back, but I'm not going to tell you how. No, I'm glad you didn't, because I do have plans to um, to read this. Like, uh, And there's, there's the movie that is now out on Netflix. Um, yes, I will. 
Um, this goes into our adaptation minute. Yeah, just go on in it. Um, I wanted to read this book because I wanted to watch the movie. I had watched the trailer for the movie and thought, ooh, that looks right up my alley. Same. Um, so I give the book four out of five. It was really fun. It was really good. Okay. I, people, if Caitlin listens to this, Caitlin is one of my friends. She loves the School for Good and Evil books. Like, she's so excited that I'm finally reading these. She was so upset with the movie. <laughs> so. And, and I get why she was upset. They really did. They changed a lot. And my thing is, since it's a movie, I understand the changes that they made. I can appreciate them, kind of like The Shining. Okay. Um, I can appreciate both the book and the movie for being separate things. Same, I do. And um, that's how I feel about this. It was a really, I think it was a good adaptation. Okay. I think it would have been better being a series, just because like it's a, television a series? big book. Yes, like, like, doing t- it, like, like season one, book one, book one be season yes. one, book two be season two. Okay. Yes. Um, the movie left a lot out that I think could have been included. Um, not to get all woke on you, but at, in the book, Agatha is supposed to be like a very pale, like kind of goth kid. Mm-hmm. Like she's supposed to be like, like almost strange. If you know who that is. Yes. Like super stringy black hair, super duper Wednesday white. Adams. Like, yes. Very Wednesday Adams. Like um, in the movie, uh, she's black. I mean, That's fine. Goth black kids but i see what you're saying there was a a picture in your head well it's not even in my head it's literally on the cover (laughs) it's on the cover of the book (laughs) that too but like when you specifically say like this girl is like pale as a ghost like she is super white her skin is almost see-through she has stringy black hair and it's even on the cover of the book and i mean her name this was agatha um the actress they cast for her, she did great. I mm-hmm. love the way she interpreted Agatha. I think she played her very well. Um, it just, it's like forced wokeness, basically. Gotcha. And, and the actress they picked for Sophie, I thought was really good. She reminded me a lot of uh, the girl who plays Sabrina. What's her name? Uh, Kiernan Shipka. Yes. Or, Ship- yeah, yeah. Yes. Reminded me a lot of her. Um, it was kind of hokey at times, but then I have to remember it's supposed to be for kids. Right. So some of the some of the acting is a little bit lackluster. Some of the lines are kind of cheesy. But, but it's, you would it's, expect that from a middle grade book. Exactly. So I like what they did with it. I hope that they continue with the series and make other movies as well, because I would definitely watch them. I think it would depend on how well it does. Yeah, and it has very mixed reviews, so I'm not going to hold does. my breath, but I do hope they continue. So, obviously, um, these books have been on my list for a very long time, and then I saw they were becoming movies, and I was like, crap, I need to watch it before I watch the movie. So, I have not watched the movie. But my mother really enjoys, um, like, television on this level, because she said it's, she's like, it's fun, it's calm, it's like, doesn't deal with, like, deep She's like, all the things that I don't want to think about. Like, yes, there's death and things like that, but it's done in a different manner. So she really likes, like, things from the Disney Channel, movies like this and stuff. Um, And she was complaining to me the other night. Well, first off, she was on the phone with me while she was watching it the first time. And she's like, I guess I'm going to have to restart this movie. I must have missed something. 
She's like, something doesn't make sense. And I was like, yeah, mom, you're on the phone with me while you're trying to watch a movie. <laughs> so she restarted it. And I get a text the next morning that says, didn't enjoy this one. I felt like the preview basically gave everything away. To be fair, I think that's like everything nowadays. And she's not. Yeah, you're not wrong. But she said she felt like everything was pretty much in the preview. And I said, well, I feel like the books. I said, it's a book series. I said, and from my understanding, you would get much more from the book. She's a reader, but she's like, I don't know. Um, but she did say, eh. <laughs> she was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> and she does. She loves things like this, which I did notice. This is actually rated PG-13. Yeah, the movie gets a little, uh, it sparses out the schoolmaster story a little bit more than the book mm-hmm. did, which I appreciated. Um, if you've watched Shadow and Bone, mm-hmm. the schoolmaster is, um, oh, I just what's pulled his up name? IMDb. That's actually what I was doing was pulling up IMDb to see who. Anyways, he's, he's one of the magicians in Shadow and Bone. Okay. And I think, I think he did really good. Um, I enjoyed what they did with the schoolmaster plot line. Cause to be honest, the book left a lot of questions in that respect of who is this mysterious person? So Agatha was the one that you said you actually enjoyed the actress that is played in this. She actually doesn't have much acting under her belt at all. Her name is Sophia Wiley. She's been in the school for good and evil, obviously as Agatha, but then she played Gina on high school musical, the musical, the series from 2019 till, well, she's still doing it. So she doesn't have a whole lot of acting credits, which I kind of like, we talked about this before, when they pick people that are, not not that she's a nobody, but like unknown, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, the only um, the only big name in this was Charlize Theron. She played one of the professors. Yeah, I recognized her. Uh, Kate Blanchett is in it. So she does a voice, though, so you wouldn't realize it. Yeah, she's the voice of the Storian, which um, I thought was really cool because in the book, the Storian doesn't talk. I was like, ooh, I like this. And then I was looking at one of the teachers in the ad. And uh, it's Carrie so, Washington, probably. Oh, okay, that's who I yeah. thought it was. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's a pretty big name as well, Carrie Washington. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but I was but looking yeah, like most of the main characters are no names. Charlize, yeah, Charlize Theron and Carrie Washington. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, yeah. He's only in there for, like, maybe two minutes. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that's another, like, name. But I am looking at everybody else, and there's some, like, I recognize, but don't know why. But those are the three names that I definitely know, which they all do a lot of work, the three of them, with Netflix in general, so it doesn't surprise me. Which um, I was reading Saman Chani Chanani, the author. Mm-hmm. He actually has a degree in film. Um, yes, he, it said he went to Harvard and oh, hang on, he went to two big schools. Let me pull him back up. Yeah, he's a Mr. Smarty Britches. Yeah. So when his film, when this got optioned for film, he was heavily involved in it. Which I love when authors get to be so involved and help create the film that makes yeah, me appreciate so, it a little bit more um it says that he is both an all he's a alumnus of harvard and columbia seriously harvard and columbia 
<laughs> I told you he was a smarty britches. I saw that he had two. Um, so he grew up in Florida. He is family was of Indian descent. He attended Harvard. He graduated with a degree in English and American literature in 2001. Um, as of 2003, he now resides in New York City. After graduation, he went to attend Columbia University, where he participated in their film program. Yep. Fun fact, he's also really close with one of my favorite YA authors, Victoria Aveyard. They're like super besties. She's fantastic. Um, I'm trying to see how old he is. I'm curious. I'm curious. Well, if he graduated college in 2001, he's like probably, he's middle aged. He's probably excuse you, ma'am. Well, he is. He's probably only like <laughs> three or four years older than me, ma'am. Like I would say, like forties. He was born in seventy nine. Oh, so yeah, forty three. Jesus, <laughs> he's like he's like middle aged. Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me. God, oh my God. God, oh my God, oh my God. Anyways, um, another adaptation that I would like to discuss. This podcast and- has turned into at least once an episode. Bianca reminds Miranda of how old she is. Next, continue. I would also like to mention that Netflix now also has an adaptation of From Scratch. Okay. It is a Reese Witherspoon uh, book club pick. And it is a memoir, which I didn't know it was a memoir. Um, it is very deceitful, though. I have not watched it yet, and here's why. Okay. So if you if you watch the trailer, it kind of looks like kind of a rom com, even though it's a biography memoir type thing. Mm-hmm. I have seen numerous TikToks of all of these women going and watching, like being prepared for like this cute little rom com movie about I these people in not. Italy. All of these women are sobbing their eyes out. They're like, this is not what I wanted, but it was so good. And I was like, oh, my again? gosh. From Scratch. It actually stars Zoe Zaldana. Okay. Great actress. <laughs> yep. Um, I don't know anybody else in it. I, I so think she's the only one that series. I recognize. So this okay. is not a movie. It's a limited series. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Did I say movie? No, I don't know that you did. I'm just saying. Like, okay. you just said adaptation. So, um, Keith David's also in it. I'm sorry. I recognize that name. He was at Pensacon a few years ago. Yes. So, yes. Um, if you, I guess if you want a good cry, watch From Scratch. <laughs> I plan on watching it soon. So, but have you read the book? or? I have not. I actually went to Barnes & Noble today to get it, but it was not part of the buy one, get one half off sale for their paperbacks. So I figured I'll just get it from the library. Oh, I got you. So, but I will say, I think we've mentioned this before. Most, pretty much every book that I've read as part of Reese's Book Club, um, totally worth it. They've yet to disappoint me. I've read quite a few. I actually got... Um, super lucky I don't know if I ever told you this but when Reese's book club first started and I don't remember how I got on this list I couldn't tell you I wish I could so I can be on it again but um (laughs) I was sent the very first book for her readers book club as like an advanced special copy to read like beforehand yeah 
And I was like, I will be part of this book club. And then most months, I think I've read several of them, and then the rest are just on my list. So if you're looking for a book club, because I know a lot of people are like, well, I don't like Oprah's, or I don't like this one. I recommend <laughs> this one. Like, I do. Because I've read, I think, six or seven at this point from her, and they've all been really good. Well, there's a couple that I had read prior to her putting them on her list. Um, Fable by Adrian Young was a YA pick that they did. Yeah. Um, that one went, that's one that I had read before. Um, I'm trying, I'm looking at the other woman. So that was their, or excuse me, I thought it was the very first one they did. I apologize. It was not. It's very early on though. It's called the other woman by Sandy Jones. If you, if you are a fan of like Ruth Ware, um, help me, give me some other names in that like. I'm trying to look it up so I can see. Oh, okay. I recognize it. Yeah. Mystery. Yeah. Um, um, let's see. Ruth Ware, maybe a bit of Taryn Fisher, maybe, um, B.A. Paris. Yeah, my brain has just gone completely dead. Lucy Foley. Yeah, that's another good one. Yeah. Um, so that's like like more suspense books. Yeah, it's suspense mystery. Um, but so if you're a fan of like Ruth Ware, then I definitely recommend that one. But that was from Reese. Um, and then her, but that's like early on. Oh, that's how I ended up with the copy of Ruth Ware's The Lion Game as well. Which um, I've read several Ruth Ware books oh, and I love, love them. Ruth so, but that's where I got that from. Was also, I like I said, I was on this list. I don't remember how I got on this list. I didn't get every single one because I'm looking at the first two. I have not read those. I don't remember that. Um, so it started in like January in June of 2017. It is still going. Um, there actually last month's read was by Alice Hoffman. There's an Alice Hoffman book is one of the very early one on Little Fires Everywhere is on this list, which is funny because that ended up turning into a Hulu series where I think she stars in it. Does she not? Yes, she does. Yeah. So, like, it's pretty amazing. Well, most of them are produced by her company, Hello Sunshine. Reese is just she's she's a powerhouse. She is amazing. She's funny on TikTok. She has. Amazing clothing store that it's a little pricey, but it's amazing. Yeah, it's cute. Draper James in Nashville. <clears throat> well, Franklinish area. Anyway, <laughs> highly recommend this book club if you're one of those people that would like, oh, I'd really like to be part of book club. It's very diverse. Yes, there's there's a lot of different. It's not all fiction. Like this one was a memoir. Well, it's all different genres. It's all different types of characters. Um, like some of, some of them are, uh, about have Asian main characters. Some of them have Native American main characters. Now I will um, say, I think most of the authors are female. I don't think there's any male authors. No, I, if I remember correctly, that is part of the rule for her book club is they all have to be female authors. Yeah. That was, if I remember correctly, it, that's part of the, um. Well, cause she wanted like a thing for women. She wanted women to come together. 
So the thing is, people ask, like they have frequently asked questions like, what's the cost? There's nothing to join. Obviously, you get your book however it would work best for you. They do have boxes, which I, this is new. I was on the website here to pull this information up. But what is new is I've noticed you can order like the romance box. Yeah, the they have different. Box, there's merchandise. I keep wanting to order one. They've been doing that for a couple of months now, and I keep wanting to order one. But I'm like, oh, do I really want this? Yeah. I keep vacillating on it. So they have an um, application process for, uh, they have lit up, recognizes the community of women consists of diverse array of individuals, including cisgender women, transgender, and non-binary. So they have like a whole, like you can submit your novel or your manuscript, um, so that you can possibly be accepted. Um, and basically they open up to, uh, women, uh, cisgender, transgender, non-binary women, um, to, submit their work to be part um and she i guess she helps people be published because it says like if you want to be part of lit up so she must have a publishing company of some sort now as well well and once once reese puts you in her book club i've noticed she does a lot of repeats because celeste uh the woman who did little fires everywhere Mm -hmm. her new book that just came out is also part of the book club so i'm assuming that once you're in there, there's yeah. a good chance your other books will be as well. Women, may we write them truer, raise them higher, and read them here, is what she says. <clears throat> I love that. That's that. I want that on a shirt. She probably has it. I'm sure if I click on merch. <laughs> uh, there's a candle called New Book Spell. Uh, there's a tote bag that says Going Places, Turning Pages. Well, speaking of acquiring new things, have you acquired any new books to your collection? I should be saying no. Right? Like, <laughs> should be saying no. That should be the answer. I live in a two-bedroom flat. But that is not the answer. And no um, one can blame you, Miranda. I can't, I can't help it. I think I actually sent a picture to you the last time. We, we yeah, you sent, me a, <laughs> you sent me a stack. <laughs> those are not the last ones I bought. So oh, goodness. That. <laughs> There's that. So the last two I sent you, <clears throat> I actually bought on my little anniversary trip with Jerry. So I purchased Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. It's straight up a Miranda book. I was so excited about it. <laughs> I've not read it yet. Um, I will read you guys the synopsis if you would like. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so Her Majesty's Royal Coven um, is an urban fantasy about alternate England that has a secret government bureau. Um, Why did you just... Oh, so my page, boys and girls, finally went black, like dark mode, like I wanted. That's great. Anyway, it's uh, alternate England about uh, secret government bureau. So it's like Discovery Witches meets The Craft, which The Craft is one of my favorite movies, and Discovery of Witches is one of my favorite series. Um, This is the first installment of a trilogy about a group of childhood friends who are also witches. At the dawn of their adolescence on the eve of the summer solstice, four young girls, Helena, Leone, Neam, and Elle, took the oath to join Her Majesty's Royal Coven, established by Queen Elizabeth I as a covert government department. Now, decades later, the witch community is still reeling from a civil war, and Helena is now the reigning high priestess of the organization. Yet, Helena is the only one of her friend groups still enmeshed in the state of bureaucracy. 
Elle is trying to pretend she's a normal housewife. Liam has become a country vet using her powers to heal sick animals. In what Helena perceives as the deepest portrayal, Leonie has defected to start her own more exclusive intersectional coven. And now Helena has bigger problems. A young warlock of extraordinary capabilities has been captured by authorities and seems to threaten the very existence. With conflicting beliefs over the best course of action, the four friends must decide where their loyalties lie with persevering tradition or doing what is right. That is the most Miranda book I've heard about in a while. It says in this book they explore gender and the corrupting of nature of power in a very kind of provocative story of magic and matriarchy, friendship, and feminism. And I was like, sign me up. <laughs> it deals with the aspects of contemporary womanhood as well as being phenomenally powerful witches. Um, and, like, obviously growing apart, because that happens. I mean, not going too deep, but you and I have witnessed that, where friends grow apart, they come back together. They, you know, they either last or they don't, but a lot of times friends grow apart and they come back together. Something brings them back together. Yeah. Obviously, in this one, it just happens to be, they all have similar things to fight. Like, they have an agreement. Um... The other book I bought, you actually informed me that it's part of a series. I did not know this. I forget what it is now. I had forgot I had texted, or I'm glad I had messaged you about it. it was, I mean, I remember the conversation, but I forget what it is. <laughs> you were like, please read the others first, because it's called The Ballad of Never After. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had bought this book because of the cover. Plain, straight up, not even lying. And I read the synopsis, and it sounded pretty standalone. You were informing me it is not. It is not. It is not. Um, it's by Stephanie Garber. Um, it is book number two in Once Upon a Broken Heart series. Uh, it says, after Jax, the Prince of Hearts, betrays her, Evangeline Fox swears she'll never trust him again. And that line right there is what I went, sold! <laughs> That's why I really need you to read the rest of the series. I will. Um, because it says now that she's discovered her own magic, Evangeline believes she can use it to restore the chance at happily after after that Jack stole away. So, like, that's the first two sentences on the back of the book, right? Not to mention it has this little thing that says not every love is meant to be. And I was like, what? Yes. I'm here for this. And the cover, because one of the glorious things I have about living in Europe is that when I buy English books, they are the UK covers majority of the time. And the majority of the time, for whatever reason, UK covers are so much better than American ones. I don't I, know what magic they work over there across the pond. I don't either. I have no clue. I don't understand because we have tons of beautiful American covers. And, like, when you look at the Once Upon a Broken Heart, the Ballad of Never um, – and and the ballad of uh, never after covers here on like Goodreads, they're the American cover. They're they're pretty, right? Like okay, yeah. cool. But no, this one it's like looking out of a castle window with like delicate and intricate paintings around it, and there's <laughs> these like poppy flowers coming up the bottom, 
and she's gorgeous. And then like Her Majesty's Royal Coven, uh, Coven, excuse me, um, it's this bright pink book with um, giant. The words are in like bright white writing, and then the picture kind of goes behind the words where the words are overlapping it. And the picture is something that you would see on like an old hand drawn like tarot card, like original tarot. I don't know. It's not actually from a tarot card. It's just like what you would think of. Yeah. Um, and the American version is just eh. like I looked it up. Like, I don't know. So there's something about, and maybe it's just this whole like that we can't get them. But like the American cover is pretty cool. It's an eye with a fire going on in the middle of the eye and a girl standing there. Like, yeah. But this one, I don't know why it drew me in. Yeah. I know. I know. For years, we've been told not to judge a book by its cover, but that's more of a like why you shouldn't judge people by how they look. But I will judge a book by how it looks. But oh, I definitely will. You also should not judge a book by how it looks because I have found tons of authors that like maybe they can't afford the cover art. Like that's not where they're focusing. And so the cover art is like cheesy or like kind of nondescript. Uh, and the book is phenomenal. So it's like a double-edged sword there. Yeah. So... That the other book I picked up uh, was an acquisition. I completely finished it, and I don't remember if I claimed this as an acquisition before or not. But it was society, the Society for Soulless Girls. Did I talk about that one before? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Uh, Laura Stephen. Okay, well, I te- I was texting you about it as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> it sounds familiar because I was we were messaging about each each other about it, or um. So yeah, it's phenomenal. I might use, I might talk about it at a later date. It's phenomenal. I don't know (laughs) because of how our bookstore is set up because we literally, like, this bookstore I bought it from is literally just, like, one shelf that says English. Yeah. You start at the top, it's nonfiction. Or the very top row is, like, all the amazing, like, big sellers. Like, all the Bridgertons are up there, obviously. And then, like, there's a section of nonfiction. So, like, it's all together. The only thing that's yeah. separate is, like, the children's are down at the very bottom, like, blatantly, like, these are kids. I don't know if this is YA or not, but it was, it was fantastic. Well, some of my acquisitions, um, obviously, the book, okay, so I got both of the School for Good and Evils through the library, oh, so I picked up the second one. Um, from the library, I also got a book called The Rabbit Hutch by Tess Gunty. Um, This is actually a Barnes & Noble book club pick. Um, This is what drew me in. A stunning debut novel about the quest for transcendence and the desire for love set in a crumbling apartment building in the post-industrial Midwest. I'm here for it. That sounds very Bianca. I'm here for it. And that's literally all I know about the book, so I'll let you know. (laughs) Gotcha. Um... I also, thanks to Book Talk, discovered this book called Babel. Babel. I don't know how you want to pronounce it. It's by R.F. R. Kwong. Um, it's the award-winning author of the Poppy War trilogy for anyone who has read the Poppy War. Oh, yeah. Um, this is their new book. It is very thick. I don't know why I'm so, choosing such big books recently. I would say Babel. I just looked it up and it is like Babel, like the Tabel. It's, it's supposed to be kind of like the Tower of Babel. Yeah, so I would say Babel. 
but it's supposed to be kind of like a dark academia book and I'm all for that. So I am, but you and I have, there's a couple. So that one looks like something to add to my list, but I've noticed here lately, sometimes dark academia has let me down lately. Yeah. Yeah. It can be hit or miss. Um, The one that I literally just bought about three hours ago. Oh, the one you texted me? Yeah. Called Postcards from Summer by Cynthia Platt. It's, it is a, well, it was in the YA section, so I hope it's YA. What is it again? Uh, Postcards from Summer by Cynthia Platt. This cover is absolutely gorgeous. Yes. I sent a picture to Miranda, like, as soon as I bought it, I was like, look at this. And my response was, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's an white cover background with a man and a woman in the middle and then postcards from summer in the middle with them but then it's got all of these like tiny little illustrations in pink and green and like teal all around it it's absolutely gorgeous it says that it is the notebook meets love and gelato and it has a 4.13 um on goodreads that's the reason i picked it up is because it was their if you liked love and gelato and i actually loved that book we talked about it. It was one of my books for one of the podcasts. Yes, I remember that. And because you were very disappointed with the. Uh, we're we're going to pretend like the adaptation doesn't exist at this point. Well, you it's, said we just separate them like they're two totally different <clears throat> things. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I picked it up because it's supposed to be like love and gelato. Um. It's supposed to be about a 17 year old girl who goes to get connections with her mother. She also travels to Mackinac Island. Okay. And for those who don't know, Mackinac Island is an island up, I think it's Michigan. Believe that is correct. Yep. Um, But it's a tiny little island where there are no vehicles allowed. Lake Superior. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There's no cars. You transportation is done by biking or walking. And if I'm not supposed to be. That is correct of Mackinac Island that you that you cannot take vehicles. If I'm not if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's, no, that's vehicles accurate. are not allowed because they want to keep, like, their idyllic nature, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she goes to Mackinac Island and tries to discover secrets about her mom. Yes, yeah, as unbeknownst to her dad. Uh, it, it's definitely a YA book. Because yes. have you ever noticed that doesn't really happen in adult stuff? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, if she's 17, it, def- it definitely is... Uh, why it says it's 575 pages per the it's, Kindle edition. It's, it's another it's another thick one. Like I said, I don't know why I'm choosing these thick Although, books. Although I have come to feel like um the three to five hundred pages really isn't that thick. I feel like uh some of those fantasy ones that you and I get into, those those are <laughs> thick ones. Those <laughs> well, that's like how many okay, I take it back. That is a lot of pages because I thought A Court of Thorn and Roses was way more pages than what it is. It's actually only 419 pages. That's what I'm saying. These last few books I've picked up, I don't know why I'm getting into the long ones, but 2022 Bianca, we're here now. I am not looking forward to, I haven't read it yet. I'm not looking forward to A Court of Silver Flames because it's 757 pages. That's how I feel about Priory of the Orange Tree. I keep putting oh, it off. Yep. I keep like looking over at it and I'm like, I'm going to get to you. <laughs> I'm going to get to you. 
It's gonna happen. I promise. I am here for you. <laughs> I don't remember One day. what it was that I read of Sarah J. Moss's last, but it was like, it was so like it was good. Okay, it was good because you know I love her. I know you're not a big fan, but you know I love her. But the last one was so long. I was like, I need a break. I need a break. <laughs> it was like six hundred and something pages, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Well, Miranda, where can we find you if we want to follow you anywhere? In the middle of a book, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Realistically, you can uh, please take part in, because we are housed, we are home on Place to Be Nation pop experience. Um, And with that means that there is a website, uh, placetobenation.com. I am the lovely editor-in-chief of um, Just toot my horn there. So, placebenation.com, where you can find not just Bells with Books, but all of the podcasts, as well as the other feeds, because we, like I said, we're on the pop feed, um, but all of the other feeds that are part of our wonderful nation the place to be nation right um with that we have the website and the facebook group where you can kind of find a whole like smorgasbord of things to talk about wrestling books music movies you name it muppets yeah and i talk about muppets we do so there's a lot there so you can find me in the group um and i'd love for you to come check out the website as well um, of course, I prefer people if you want to follow me and like follow along in my I live in Europe. So everybody thinks I'm cool. Not really. But like everybody's like, oh, amazing. And I really just live a boring everyday life in another country. <laughs> there are some great points about it. But yes, um, if you want to follow me and see my adventures of like traveling with my husband and son and our dogs or just see my dogs doing really silly things, you can follow me over on Instagram at moms and nerd if you actually if you just search moms and nerd that's not my handle but that's what i go by you can search on the nerd that's a lot of photography of my travels and uh reels of my travels and then over on tiktok um at moms and nerd uh it's a lot of just travel trains things like that i have not gotten brave enough to branch into the book talk world yet because as i said at the top of the show it is both a fantastic amazing place and uh, can be very depressing um, and gatekeeping. So I haven't gotten brave enough to do that yet, but we have plans to maybe not do that on our own TikToks, but maybe on a, uh, possibly on a Bells with Books. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. There are things in the works, mwahahaha. Since they can find me in all of those places, where can they find you at? You can find me over on the Instagrams. I am at Style and Freak. Um, I don't post a lot of bookish content over there. Every once in a while I do. It's mainly just me living my life with some food and my cat. It's a lot of food and cat. Where mine is like riding on trains and dogs. Yours is cooking and the cat. Yeah, basically. I mean, I cook too. I just don't post much of that. Because <laughs> the few times I've tried to, it takes a long time. You know. It does. To do it a does. video and cook at the same time. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Um, you can also find me on the TikToks. I should be at Bianca Jimerson on there. I'm verifying. Oh, no, yes, I, I am. Are you? Okay, but I if I thought for some reason we were also styling freak, but I could be. 
I think I'm just at Bianca Jimerson there. Okay. Um, I think I kept it simple on that one. Um, right now, I think I just have cat videos and like my one semi-viral Halloween video from a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, which is actually a, a video that you sent me. And yes. then chose to put it on TikTok. <laughs> it was so funny. <clears throat> so, yeah, you can. You can oh, I'm sorry. It is playing. <laughs> I went to go exit out of it and it played. <laughs> I've done that before. It's okay. So, yeah, send me. Uh, you can also find me on Goodreads. I think my profile is public, so you can send me a friend request. Oh, and we're on Goodreads. Um, but it's a little bit harder to find us, I found out. Like, well, it, unless you're on a computer, I know it doesn't work on the app because I've tried to find friends on the app and it for some and reason like, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, you have to go on the actual website and sign in there and you can find friends there. Yes. So, yeah, sign in on an actual computer and find me there. You can I have different lists so you can see what I have read, what I'm currently reading, all the good things. You can see my ratings. I used to have lots of in-depth <clears throat> lists. Um, mine, I, I don't keep up with the in-depth list anymore, but you can definitely see like where I'm at in my reading goal for the month, um, what I've read, what I want to read and what I'm currently reading. Um, so actually to give you guys a sneak peek of next month, cause next month we are going to do something different. If you want to kind of see where we're at on our reading goals and what we've read and what we might talk about next month do add us as friends on goodreads because we are going to discuss like um end of the year goals new year's goals books that we loved um and books that we are hoping for things like that we're i i think we've decided we will not be discussing a specific book like we have been doing we're going to give like a yearly wrap-up even though we've not been here for a full year yet it just felt right so Next month, after you friend us on Goodreads, come on back to listen to us again, which we hope you come back, um, but come back and listen to us again, where we kind of do a yearly 2022 wrap-up of our reading extravaganzas. And until then, keep reading. Keep reading.